Hey, hi, how are you doing? Welcome back to the Wasteline Podcast. My name is Lee, and I'm your host, and I hope you had a great week. I really do. I hope you have a great week this week. I had a good week last week, and it's actually off to a good start this week, and I'll tell you why. For, I mean, very obviously, if you're watching, we are in a new location. My, my brand new office, this is actually the first day that I've been in it, and it's not even a, f- a full day. It's been my like first full half day. And I'm really excited. When, when I was a kid, I, I really, for some reason, was excited about the idea of having my own office. And I, I always thought that someday I would, I'd, I'd get a job and someone in a suit would say, hey, thank, and thank you, Mr. Syatt, and, and this is your office that we are providing for you. And instead, I uh, went on Craigslist and found an office that I'm paying for myself. <laughs> but it's still exciting. I actually am um, really happy with it. Uh, it's still obviously a work in progress. I need to get some artwork that uh, doesn't have a glass front so that the light doesn't shine in it. Um, but I am excited for it because of what it's going to allow me to do. I'm going to start doing a lot more for you. I'm going to do live streams on YouTube. I'm going to, this is actually one thing I'm very excited about. I'm going to start doing tests a little bit. I'm going to test out because so far, if you listen to the first couple episodes, I uh, am honestly just counting calories, and I like that. I like it. It's it's worked for me, and I honestly think that that's what I'm going like the system that I'm going to follow for the majority of the rest of this and probably my life. But what I want to do to to you know test things out is I'm going to start going on week long tests of other diets like keto that's one there is uh the carnivore diet i'm gonna try weight watchers i might try noom i might go on to the the meal plan services and just see how they go um because i want to i want to do the i want to put myself through it so you don't have to i honestly do my hypothesis is that I'm going to enjoy the the current plan that I'm on now the most. And it I don't know if it will be because here's what I've heard. Um I've heard that when you do something like keto, you do lose a lot of weight quickly because you're losing like the water weight. So maybe I might have to, I might have to do keto for a couple weeks, which I, I is not, uh, trust me, you're going to see I'm going to be a cranky little boy. Uh, when I don't have bread or carbs, but you never know. Um, a lot of people liked it. There's a lot of people who I spoke to on the the listener Collins who have been doing keto for a couple of years and really enjoy it. So I'm gonna at least give it a week, see what I like, see what the results are, and we'll find out. Okay. But I'm I, what I'm saying is is I'm excited about this office because it will allow me to do a lot more than I was doing in my parents' uh, spare bedrooms. So please uh, continue watching and listening and uh, tell a friend uh, because I, I really, the numbers aren't, I'll just be honest with you guys, the numbers aren't huge for this podcast uh, yet. And I've had people tell me, oh, you should just stop it. I, I don't want to stop it. I really do enjoy and believe in what we're doing here and I think that it's just I need to do a better job in marketing and 
this, none of this is on you. I'm just letting you know where, like, I'm not like, it's your fault. Um, but I, I, I honestly do feel like that this podcast can help people in a weird way. And I hope that doesn't come off as uh, egotistical. It honestly has almost nothing to do with me. I uh, like, like, I actually it was so cool. Ruby, who we had on last week, if you didn't listen to it, uh, you should go listen to it. She lost over 100 pounds during quarantine. And yesterday she uh, did a half marathon, which is wild. I can't, I, I don't know if all that, that sounds just awful. Uh, even, <laughs> even if I am healthy. Um, but it, she did it. And I I think the people that I bring on here are, are I hopefully will... I don't like the word inspire. That sounds it sounds kind of I don't for excuse my French douchey. I don't know. I I don't see myself as an inspiration at all and I don't it's I never the reason why I struggle with the word inspiration so much is I never needed to be inspired. I wanted to lose the weight. I knew I needed to lose the weight. I just didn't I guess I wasn't really ready to lose the weight, just mentally. And there's plenty of the every day there's someone who loses 100 pounds. And for me, that didn't really... Inspired isn't the right word. I'm impressed by them. I'm I'm happy for them. But if you're on this path or if you're if you're waiting to get on this path... I honestly do believe that it's your choice. It, it, it's whenever you're ready to do it. And as much as I can beg and plead and show you people who uh, who have lost 8 million pounds. If you're not ready, it's just it's not going to happen. But what I do think that I like with about this podcast, or I know I like about this podcast, what I think that this podcast can do is show you that it is possible. Because I know for me, a lot of the time that I just gave up on on diets, I mean, I was trying to think of a a better word, but that's just the word is I gave up, is, you know, you run into plateaus, you you make a mistake, the food doesn't taste as good, you're hungry one night and you stop at McDonald's and get 4,000 calories worth of food, Um, just spitballing here, Um, Part of me didn't really think like, oh, I'll, I'll ever be able to lose the weight. Because it, it, I'm going to be honest, it's not the most fun I've ever had. I enjoy burgers and french fries and can't. That felt good. That tasted good in my mouth. But I didn't enjoy the rest of the day. Which is a sad thing to say. That's I was thinking about that the uh, yesterday. That it... It's kind of messed up how much of a a happiness and joy I get out of eating. And that there should be other things in life that give me that. It can't just be food. Because if it's just food, then I'm going to gain the weight back. And I don't want to do that. Um, So if you're struggling with it or if you know someone who's struggling with it, don't. I don't know. Some people it might work. Some people might like the hey fatty get up and that that just made me like a like I'm a I'm a little turtle and I just put my head in my shell and 
ate snacks. I don't I don't like that. Um but what I the reason why I'm doing this and if if no one ends up listening then you know what? This is just an audio journal then and you guys get to listen. Um but the reason why I I like this and the reason why I put the people on that I put on is to show you that not only is it possible but it's honestly kind of easy. Like I said, I'm the the, the dinners that I eat aren't the most delicious meals of my life. But at least with the with the way I'm eating now it's fine. I I'm not I don't I don't hate dinner. I'm not hungry after. I get to have most of what I want. And like this, look for example, um, I'll even pull up the exact uh, of what I ate, and I, I'm sorry that I'm looking at my phone. Um, I on on Saturday I watched the UFC, so I'm just opening up my fitness pal. Uh, on Saturday I I watched the UFC, and uh, I'll tell you exactly what I ate. I um as I was saying, part of my my love of food coincides with TV, especially sports. I used to love uh, watching football and, and having pizza and wings. That was, I mean, that was half of the fun was the pizza, the wings, the chips, the can, the snacks. And so there were some big uh, UFC fights on Saturday, and I, I knew that I wanted to have a snack during it. I just, I normally, I don't really have much dessert. At most, I'll have... Um, like a, a, a no sugar added popsicle, which is still good, but it's gone in three minutes. Um, so I, I, I purposely um, tailored my dinner so that I could have some calories left over for a snack. And so this is what I had on Saturday, April 24th. Um, and again, like these, it might not be the healthiest um like I'm not eating health food, I'm but I am counting my calories. So Purdue makes these breaded chicken breasts again, probably too much sodium. I, I and last night I had real chicken breasts. So I mean this isn't I'm not having it every day, but I do. The big thing for me with my food is I like it to be easy because if it's not easy, I'm just not gonna do it. So. I sacrifice in some places just to lose to, to lose the weight. To be honest, and I do cook. Like last night, I had a real uh, baked chicken breast. Um, so I don't eat this stuff all the time, but it helps, and it, it, and and um, it they taste good and it works, and it's better for me than going and getting a fried chicken sandwich uh, or four of them. So what I had is I had three. Of the Purdue uh, breaded chicken breasts, and those were three uh, two hundred calories each. I had um, my go-to Greek salad, which has uh, no fat feta. It has um, right now. Right now, I'm using Texas toast croutons. Uh, I have Kraft Greek dressing, and I put lettuce, cucumbers, and carrots in it. And the the feta, and I I don't I need I don't have a food scale right now, just to be honest with you. So I try to overestimate. I put in two ounces. I don't think I had two ounces of it. Um, 
and that 70 calories of the no-fat feta, uh, I'm pretty sure each serving of, yeah, each serving of the croutons is 35 calories. I put in that I had three servings of it, um, and that's 105 calories. I also put in that I put in two ounces of the salad dressing for 180 calories. I don't think I put in two ounces, but I try to overestimate just in case. Um, and then, so that was my main meal. I also had uh, green beans and mushrooms with that I sauteed with some garlic, and I don't count those calories. So sue me. I just I don't. Um, I don't count vegetable calories because they don't count. And maybe they. I'm sure if I ate like I know if I ate too much corn or some of that stuff that there could be a lot of sugar in it. I I didn't some garlic. And, and with some green beans and mushrooms, I don't count those calories. Um, and so because I had that, I had uh, roughly 1,100 calories, I'm assuming, something like that. Maybe closer to 1,000. And then what I had for a snack um, during the UFC is I had uh, about... About one and a third or, or one and two third servings of Wise. They make this um, this popcorn that I just got. And it's called Sea Salt Popcorn. And it has, uh, it's like a three and a half cup serving. And I'll just tell you how many servings. Uh, three and a half cups I think is like 140 calories. If I just did that right, that math. Um, and I just messed up my count so I'm not going to be able it's oh it's roughly that and then I had four apple cinnamon rice cakes those were the my my snacks during the UFC is it pizza and wings no but it got the job done and honestly sweet rice cakes apple cinnamon caramel is the best and I do have caramel but I, I like cinnamon a lot so I wanted to try the apple cinnamon I really liked them. 50 calories each. How are you going to beat 50 calories? Um, so that's like that. That is a perfect example of what I eat. Last night, I had um, green beans with garlic. I didn't feel like cooking mushrooms. I had the same salad. And I had uh, roasted potatoes and uh, uh, bone, uh, bone in, skinless. I took the skin off chicken breast that I put uh, shake and bake on top of and it was delicious and I, that was somewhere around 1400 calories um, so those are perfect examples of what I eat on a daily basis um, and why I think that's important to talk about today is because of our guest but before I get to our guest I did I, I did want to bring this up I promised someone a shout out last week, and I forgot, um, but Justin H., you have it on Twitter as Justin H., I don't want to uh, shout out your last name if you don't like it, um, everyone give a big shout out to Justin H., he was the one who got the Obese to Beast interview to happen, so thank you very much, Justin, I really do appreciate it, um, and if you, and a few other people have hit me up, if you either A, know of someone who might be a cool guest for me to talk to, Either hit me up on Instagram, Wasteline Podcast, or email me, wastelinepodcast at gmail.com. 
or if you yourself would like to be a call-in guest, which we'll have another one next week, um, just email me, wastelinepodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to have you do it. I've had, I have a bunch already in, and, and if I don't respond for a couple days or even a week or two, don't get discouraged. I, I, I keep everyone in there, and then when I'm about to do another round of listener calls, I'll reach out. I, I promise you I'll reach out. Um, but this week, I have a very cool guest who reached out on Instagram, and his name is uh, Rob Hildebrandt. And Rob is a young guy, um, but he is extremely qualified. He is a, di- a registered dietitian, and we'll go into it a little bit in the episode, but I learned um, very early on that a dietitian and is not a doctor, so he's not a, a doctor, but he did get uh, an advanced degree. I believe it's a master's degree. Um, so what I learned, and I think we might go through this, so I apologize if it's double, but I just want to give you guys a little bit of a background. Um, the, the, the order, the pecking order, uh, is doctor, dietitian, and then nutritionist. And the differences are like the levels of education and, um, expertise. So Rob actually leads, um, he has, he has two jobs. This is how cool he is. He is the head dietitian at a, um, at a, a doctor's office in New Jersey. And I think he might mention it in, in here. I honestly, um, I can't, I don't have that written down in front of me, but what I do have written down is if you're interested in working with Rob, whether or not you live in New Jersey, he has a website called effective RD. So it's, Effective, E-F-F-E-C-T-I-V-E, and um, the name of his company is actually Effective Nutrition, but the website and his social media is Effective RD, and um, Rob was amazing. It was It's great to talk to somebody, as a, as a fat person, it's great to talk to someone who isn't, uh, as I was talking about with Shane, a lot of times when you're big, the doctor or anyone in this field, it's it's an intense uh, visit. You feel like you're being yelled at. You feel judged, even if they don't say it. It it it's just it, there's a lot of negative connotations with going to see a, a professional, and I didn't feel that at all with Rob. I felt like he really understood where I was coming from. I felt uh, like he understands. Uh, what happens to people and, and, and genuinely cares. So if you uh, don't live in New Jersey, or even if you do, and you want to uh, check out his website, go to EffectiveRD.com and check it out. He does uh, a lot of personal online uh, consulting, I guess. Um, he'll, he'll, they'll meet with you, and, and, and he'll, he'll do nutrition plans, and he, he honestly is a, a great person. And I'm excited for you to listen. Uh, right before we start, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Please go to manscaped.com. And when you go to manscaped.com and you use my name, Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T, you're going to get 20% off and free shipping and off of everything at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping with code Syatt 
S Y A T T S Y A T. Yeah, I said I spelled that right. S Y A T T. And uh, while you're there, when you're at the website, manscaped.com, check out the perfect package 3.0. They already they give you a discount. They give you a ton of products. They give you the lawnmower 3.0. They give you the crop preserver, the crop reviver. One is a, a, a deodorant. Um, and one is it, it just is a, a toner. It, it makes it makes your um, as I like to say, your twig and berries smell better. And you're, if you're losing weight, you definitely want you want to smell and look your best. And you're going to be able to do that with Manscaped. So go to manscaped.com and use code SIATT, S-Y-A-T-T, and get 20% off with free shipping. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Thank you very much to Robbie. Or Rob, I'm sorry. Uh, thank you very much to Rob for coming on and enjoy this episode of the Wasteline Podcast. Thank you very much for for reaching out. It's uh, I was I was surprised because I I didn't expect, especially at the very beginning, to have like a real deal professional reach out. And and you're the real deal. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, I saw somebody like you that I, I know about who's losing weight with a strategy that I love. I mean, I'll save some of it for the podcast, but I was like, I got to jump on this. This is great. Oh, and, and we're in the podcast. <laughs> I love that we, we are in the podcast now. So, um, but oh, okay, th- cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know. I, I have to figure out a way to like wait to uh, happen. Uh, I'm going to have to like do like a compilation because everyone, no one, no, no one knows. Um, but I want to welcome, I already just, they just heard a welcome. But I would love to hear because I actually made the mistake in our email conversations. Is I I just I was trying to be respectful, so I said, uh, "Doctor Hildebrandt," and I, I pronounced that right, right? Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, I said, "Doctor Hildebrandt," and you were like, "I just want to," and you were very professional. Because like, if if it were me, if anyone called me doctor, I would say, "Yep, absolutely, I'm I'm Doctor Syed. But um. You were very uh, professional. Said, well, just so you know, I'm actually a registered dietitian, and that's a little bit different than a doctor. So I would love to know what the difference is um, and maybe why you decided to be a dietitian. Sure, sure. So I think the main difference is actually quite large. You know, a doctor definitely goes to through much more years of, of schooling. A dietitian requires right now a master's degree. And then you have to do a clinical internship in a hospital where you do rounds um, for about one year. And this is called a supervised and practice. That that's that. I went to art school. So, I mean, a, a master's degree is pretty good. Yeah. And then you have to take a board exam for your state. Okay. So, you know, I, you know, I did those things. It got through and it got my registered dietitian license. Uh, you know, to be a doctor, you really have to go many more years. So don't people say it's like 10 year process to become a doctor? Yeah, I actually, uh, I'll, I might have to release it on this feed. I did. I have another podcast where I just interviewed, uh, not about weight loss, but I interviewed a doctor who, uh, and I asked him some of the questions I'll ask you. Um, but he was saying he was about my age, early thirties and had literally just finished school. Wow. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a lot. So um, I guess before I get to why you wanted to be a dietitian, um, well, you just mentioned something that I thought was interesting. So you have to take a a licensing test for the state. Is 
Because I would imagine that there's a lot of different approaches to being a dietitian. There's no one uh, technique that's going to work for everyone. So what sort of, what are they testing you on? Yeah, so that's that's a great question because the, the variety of career choices for dietitians is humongous. Um, just to list off the ones that come to my mind right away, it's basically a lot of people do clinical dietitians. That's where you're in the hospital. You run around all the patient rooms, all the new patients, and you give them education. Some people are on tube feeding. You have to adjust their tube feeding calculations. Oh, wow. And that's, you know, that's pretty brief. You only get to spend, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes with a patient, sometimes longer. There's the outpatient dietitian, which is more counseling. We actually get to sit with people for like an hour, an hour and a half and actually educate them, use resources and see them again. And okay. that, that's, that's what I do. Okay. But you could do so much more. You could be in sports nutrition and work for companies like Gatorade. I mean, there's people who work for Nestle and Kellogg's. You could actually work in food service, you know, with, with restaurants and hospital kitchens. Uh, you could work for WIC and help women, infants, and children. Okay. It, the list goes on. So, so, so what are you, what are like, what is the test on? Like, is it, uh, all of it? No. Okay. Yeah. So what, what is the difference then? I guess this might be a better question is what is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? That is a huge question and something that the dietitians get a little frustrated about. I bet. You probably did more school than them, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. So, and no fault to them, right? Because there's a lot of great nutritionists out there. Right. So I I think that the best way to explain is dietitian requires like the master's degree, the clinical internship and a board exam. And the reason why you do that is so you can actually work in the clinical field. So you can be in the hospital, so you could be in the doctor's office, so you can be in a health facility and have that higher up position. Okay. And maybe it's a little bit more reputable and that sort of thing. If you're a nutritionist, that might only be a couple of months online uh, for a certificate. Oh, and really? I didn't actually, know that. Some states, you can call yourself a nutritionist without having anything. So I could be a nutritionist. Are there any nutritionists that look like me? That'd be <laughs> that'd be kind of bad. That you, know, you might not. You might want to do it without the picture if you look like me. That's. Um, and I, I do appreciate that you're drinking water. I, I specifically, I do drink diet soda still. So I was like, maybe I shouldn't have a diet Coke when I'm talking to a dietitian. No, no, um, no. I think that's, it can fit. It can fit. Okay. Perfect. So, um, why did you decide to become a dietitian? Yes. Yeah, so I think that's a two part answer. Um, part of it was when I was a kid, uh, unfortunately I was put on Adderall when I was in fifth grade for ADHD. Okay. And I was on that my whole life. And that really messed up my appetite. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. I mean, uh, I think too hungry or not hungry enough, not hungry enough. Okay. So I used to skip breakfast and I remember eating French fries for lunch and then skipping dinner and then being starving for junk food at, at, at very late at night. Sounds and like I, I should, I sounds like I was on Adderall without being on Adderall. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I did that middle school, high school and after high school. And then I, I recently, I finally got off the Adderall and so that helped my recover my appetite. But, um, it was just really, really bad food. And I want to help people with that, you know, teaching them about proper nutrition because nobody ever pulled me aside and even taught me about proper nutrition, really. And were you heavy or or no? Definitely. The, the issue was definitely out of shape and very low energy. And that actually leads me into the second part of becoming a dietitian was energy and fatigue. So in high school and after high school, I, I actually knew there was something wrong with me. I was, I felt like very low energy to the point where I was going to doctor's I was going to neurologists, allergy doctors, everybody getting tests done, MRIs, everything, trying to figure out what's going on with me. Why is my energy so different than all my friends? 
okay. why are my friends soccer players and lifting weights and loving the gym? And I'm, I feel so weak and different. And I actually was on this journey for until recently, honestly, in the last couple of years, I figured it out. But um, that made me want to be a dietitian because what I was doing to figure out the energy issue, aside from going to the doctor's offices, I was experimenting with supplements. I was taking energy pills. I was taking diet pills. I was taking fat burners to help get in better shape. I was taking testosterone boosters. I mean, you name it, I, I was experimenting with it for years and years. And so being a dietitian, part of that was like, there has to be some truth to this. There has to be something that works. You know, there's like a billion dollar industry, the food, the, the supplement industry. So I wanted to figure that out. And uh, luckily I finally got my answer. I don't, and I would be love to know what your answer is, but I have a, I had someone else reach out. Um, he's a doctor named Dr. Vu, V-U-U, I believe that's how you pronounce it. And apparently he's done a, a TED talk and he just sent me his book. And it's about the idea of healing your body and healing your issues with itself. So I, I'm, I haven't read the book yet. So I'm, I don't know if it's, if it's talking about the food that you eat or what. So it sounds, the reason why I brought that up is, is it sounded like you were saying maybe, did you stop taking some of the supplements and through your diet, you were able to become more energetic or, or am I, am I reaching? No, you're, you're right on. That's exactly it. So, you know, the big secret to me was, this question that I was asking for my whole life, which is what can I add? You know, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling out of shape, you know, I'm feeling overweight. Um, I'm, I'm feeling low energy. What can I take? What can I add? What pill can I take? What supplement can I drink? You know, what, what, what powder can I buy? What multivitamin packet can I get? And I was asking the wrong question. I was asking, what can I buy? What can I add? The question was, what can I take away? Right. Right. And then good, I finally discovered yeah. the world of, of fasting, which you know we'll talk more about for sure. But, oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. And that really kind of saved my life. Really, it turned me, turned everything around. That's wonderful. Okay. Um. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to think if I because that's such a a big topic. Then it would would it be jumping ahead to just talk about that now since you brought it up. I mean, so I would love to tell you. I'll tell you what I'm doing. Um, and I'm not sure if you're aware of who my brother is or not. Um, his name is Jordan Syatt. He's a he used to train Gary Vee, and now he he's an Instagram influencer, and he has a, a training uh, website. But he's been helping me. I've been uh, I was up to 336 pounds, and I'm five foot four, so I was basically a human bowling ball uh, for a, a few months there. Um, but I I I had had people tell me like when you're big. People tell you they always have, everyone has a diet you should try. Mm -hmm. I've been told to try keto, and I've tried most of them. I did keto when it was called Atkins. I did juice fast. I did all the all the different um, meal delivery plans. But one that kept coming back was intermittent fasting, and one that's because I know there's a couple different um, types of it. And one like is a window, and one that I have found success with is OMAD once in one meal a day, and I specifically like that one because my schedule, excuse me, my schedule is a little bit unpredictable, so it would be hard for me to have a window because sometimes I'm out, especially when I was doing comedy, I'd be out very late, so I wouldn't be able to eat until much later, and then other days I'd, I'd be eating earlier, so the one meal a day thing is working for me at the moment, but. Um, the one thing that my brother did mention, and he doesn't, 
he's a very well-read person and, and, and is a very smart and good at what he does. He doesn't have the he has a bachelor's degree and I believe kinesiology or, or something something related to this field. I'm mm-hmm. not I don't know exactly the degree he has. Um but I asked him uh because I have a, a Patreon where I'm uh documenting this thing that I'm on, this journey, and I asked him about the benefits of fasting, and he said that there are some like cell regeneration maybe some of that something like that but what he said is like the main reason i'm losing weight is the uh caloric deficit and that the fasting itself is nice but it really works because of because of the caloric deficit and the fasting doesn't play as huge of a role Mm -hmm. so you just said that fasting saved your life so i would love to get your two cents on it and what if you disagree or even if you do agree what what your thoughts are on fasting yeah so i do agree and the caloric deficit is definitely important so when intermittent fasting became pretty popular a couple years ago there's a lot of backlash you know everybody's like this is all nonsense it's just another fat diet you know what really matters is a caloric deficit and then now they finally started to get some research out and there's a lot of great minds in in the fasting world so they were all talking about it and what the research ended up showing was it was kind of good. And it's kind of something I knew. I wasn't upset about it. It showed that fasting wasn't enough. You know, it showed us that fasting with a good diet is what works. So we have to do both. Okay. And it's a very powerful thing. And people seem to be very successful with it. I mean, I never, you know, working with a patient, I would never put them on, a, on an intermittent fasting diet with a poor diet. I, I wouldn't see success. Their right. weight you, might you go can't up. can't eat nothing but Doritos. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've actually implemented it, right? Because some patients' diets are very, very poor and you implement intermittent fasting and let them have the poor food, they, you might see an improvement, but then you'll see a stall, right? But they might not see a gain. So there's some improvement happening. Right, that's true. And the improvements could be, you know, a lot of things. They could just see improvements to sleep and energy and, and blood work, you know, whether it's like diabetes or heart disease, cholesterol, those kind of things. But the weight might not move. So for the weight to move, we really have to edit the diet and do the fasting. Okay. The fasting is it, it's separate than the caloric intake, right? So the fasting is the tool to get you there. And that's what I love about it personally. I mean, for me, why it works so good is because there is no option. The answer is no. Like it's, it's just a waiting game. Like I wake mm-hmm. up, I'll have my coffee, I'll have my water, and I'll wait until 11 or 12 or something like that. And then I'll eat. The old me would have been, you know, what can I have? Is this a healthy granola bar? You know, is this a healthy snack? What's in the vending machine? Is this healthy? What, what's healthy down the street? Right now, the, the answer is just no. And that has really been the game changer. Interesting. The answer is no so till later. So it's a mental issue. And I, I totally, uh, I couldn't agree more because I'm a little, I'm, I have social issues. I get nervous around people and I don't, sometimes I make inappropriate jokes. Sometimes if I feel like I'm too comfortable with somebody and I, t- I even just told this to a girl I've been talking to on one of the apps recently is I do well when I know the rules yeah. like yeah. for whatever reason and I and I I'm not I don't want to I don't want to be in in like a very strict life I, I live a pretty um open lifestyle I mean my, my work is whenever and and my life is open um but certain rules at least for me, 
I'm good at following direction. I know. So like, for example, my brother and my was just here visiting because he's moving him and my mom had a bagel with lox and cream cheese. And one of my brother's big things is like, you can have whatever you want. Just you got to, uh, be careful with, uh, your, your calories later. And cause he doesn't like, like the term, like cheat meal and all that. I chose not to have the bagel with lox and cream cheese, A, because for me, I, I choose to have my meal at night because nights when I would always break my diet, number yeah. one, and so I like to be full as full as possible at night, and then B, because it, even, like, let's say I did have a bagel and lox and cream cheese, but then I just had a salad at night, that I, I would have still been hungry, and then B, I also... And I know this, I would love to know your thoughts on this if I'm being a little, if this is unhealthy, but I have, I weigh in on Tuesdays. I try not to weigh myself until Tuesdays. If I'm being honest, around Saturday or Sunday, I will check in and see where I am, but okay. it's not every day. And sa- Sunday and Monday, I do try to have lower calorie meals because I have a weigh-in coming up. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, a few weeks ago, a month ago, I had rice twice in a week and I had trouble passing it. So my weigh in wasn't as good and right. I, it, I was stressed out about it. So now two, two or three weeks, a week or like a couple weeks later, I had bagels with lox and cream cheese. We're Jewish. So we, we have it quite a bit. Um, but <laughs> I had it closer to my weigh in day. And even though I was good on my calories, it's a heavier meal. Um, So I know that that might be a messed up way of thinking, but um, I I just have to agree with you, I guess. And I'm saying is like the rules and the, and the structure that the, the fasting gives me has been helpful. And even just on top of that, because I do a lot of long distance driving. I've done it a lot. I actually, I actually enjoyed a lot. Um, But I, I noticed before I was fasting, if I stopped, even like let's not say for fast food, but let's be honest, a lot of it was fast food. I would have some scary moments driving where I would start digesting the food and get kind of sleepy and sort of doze off. And on my most few recent road trips, I just didn't eat and I oh. didn't have that happen at all. So like I, 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 I don't feel like it's like I have more energy. It's like I'm just not going through that normal midday, like, tiredness. Yeah. To answer your question about the weigh-ins, I go back and forth with that a lot. And I actually think that you're in the right. It's interesting. Yes. And the reason for that is, I mean, there's some people who disagree, but it comes down to, is it an accurate weight? And the answer is actually no, right? Because if you eat a bagel, that's 60 grams of carbohydrates, which makes you hold on to quite a lot of water. Carbohydrates usually make you hold on to water, especially if you haven't had a lot of carbs in a little while. So right. Carbohydrate intake. Oh, I, is, always, I, I always have a lot of carbs. So Yeah, there's water <laughs> now. Your body's holding on to more water. Right. You, you, there might be a bowel movement you haven't had yet. Um, if there's salt in the diet, that can make you hold on to water. So in the weigh-in, that's actually not accurate. So most people could just weigh themselves and the weight could not be down as much. And you'd be like, okay, well, it's because of those things. I'll move along. But if it affects you negatively, then I see no problem with it. Uh, you know, ease off those things for before the weigh-in. I, I don't think it's a problem. See, I, I like talking to you. Uh, <laughs> I like talking to you. Um, okay. So, all right, let me ask you this. 
what is there someone and obviously and I've I've said this I'll say this forever on this podcast I am not a doctor um so definitely don't take any of my advice um and if you are taking uh Mr. Hildebrand's advice uh definitely talk to your doctor but is there someone if 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 a client or a patient was coming in to see you are there certain types of people or certain issues that don't work well with fasting? Um, absolutely. Well, definitely. The first one that comes to mind is obvious. It was pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I would not have known that. Okay. Yeah. What, what is it yeah. about pregnancy? They, they need more calories for the baby? Yeah. They need to eat more. They shouldn't really go long periods of time without food for sure. Okay. Um, I have, you know, some, I was working with a girl. She wanted to attempt it. Uh, she had a history of an eating disorder. So usually with eating disorders, you want to advise against it because, you know, long periods of food can be kind of mentally uncomfortable and lead to a binge. She wanted to try it. We tried out a light form of intermittent fasting, which is basically just like a later breakfast. It didn't work. I mean, and she found that when she was just doing a slightly later breakfast, she was very hungry for it and had a very large meal. And, you know, the weight wasn't moving up or down. Um, she wanted to lose a little weight. But uh, I think those two cases are, are first ones that come to mind. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's interesting because you mentioned this before and it's uh, you just mentioned it again. I had that as well where sometimes if I like a big problem for me before I was counting calories was I was either busy or lazy and didn't want to cook and I would sometimes wait to the point of not obviously I wasn't starving, but I would wait to the point of extreme hunger. Mm-hmm. and then I would be like, oh, well, I don't want to wait for this, so I'm going to go get fast food. As a dietitian and someone who is helping people through these uh, issues, are you also dealing with their mental issues? Are you recommending them get therapy? Or like, what? how do you deal with those issues? Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um so I want to talk about something else about the fasting and who it's not for too. Okay. The important thing there. So people don't miss this is fasting can be so many different types, right? Intermittent fasting is such an umbrella term. Okay. You know, fasting can be like, Hey, I don't eat after 8 PM. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're not doing that, like anybody could do that, right? Like, Oh, I don't have breakfast at 6 AM. I have breakfast at 10 AM. Like I wait a couple hours to have breakfast. That's your intermittent fasting. You know, you do more of an, an intense form. Like you do, you do one meal a day. Right. And if you really want to do, something lighter, which is what I do is like a two meal day. Like I eat at 12 and I eat at six and that seems to work best for me. And it helps with energy and sleep and all that. And people can even lose weight with that strategy. So when you're doing lighter forms of the fasting, it really opens up who can do it. So I just wanted to, that just came to mind as well. Okay. But, um, sorry, your, your other question. Like how how do you deal with the mental aspects of Lou? Like, do you deal with that as well? Or do you just recommend people talk to a mental health specialist? Yeah. So I actually wanted to talk about a little what I do. So I work at a, a doctor's office as a, I'm the dietitian coordinator there. So I oversee other dietitians and this doctor's office is very special. It's like a one-stop shop. So it's like going to your doctor's office, but the doctor's office also has a dietitian. They have a therapist, they have a pharmacist, they have a cardiologist, oh. they have a foot doctor. Um, they have a, a chiropractor and many other things. And our, our philosophy at this company is we don't turn anybody away, whether you can't pay or whether you have insurance or not whether you're struggling with insurance, like we, we never turn anybody away. We give everybody equal health care. So that's very nice. People get the full treatment. I mean, people come to see their doctor for the first time in five years. They have, you know, they're obese. They have diabetes, heart disease. 
Um, I'll go in and say hi. The therapist will go in high, say hi because they have depression. They'll go around the corner of the pharmacy and they're just fully taken care of. And that, that's kind of the approach. So I do have some connections with therapists if I do notice that mental health is a concern. But you know, a lot of what I do is more nutrition therapy, which is more goal setting and, and following up on nutrition, not so much the mental health aspect. Okay. So um like let's let's say I was coming in four months ago when I was 336 pounds. Something that I struggled with before was when I when when I would try to lose weight before or people would give me advice, is they would give me advice for someone without an eating issue. Like, you know, just have chicken breast and broccoli and and and, and hike six miles a day. And it's even though it is possible, it just mentally or whatever for me wasn't. So like do you when you're designing a plan for someone, would you be like, okay, maybe let's just not go to fast food every day? Like do you is it like a, a, a gradual plan or how do you how do you customize your plans? Yeah, it's a big question and I'm so happy to explain this. And I really think that I do a good job of making plans for people. That's that's really, and it makes me love my job because people actually will tell me that. So like this plan is so easy to do, so comfortable, and it's not like all the other things I've tried. And right. I, it just makes me so happy when I hear that. Um, so really when I do a full assessment, I'll spend one hour with the person. We'll go through everything about them, their their, their weight history, what diets they've tried, uh, their energy, their, their sleep, their exercise. We'll go through example foods, like, you know, what are some breakfasts that you commonly eat? What are lunches you commonly eat? You know, uh, dinners, snacks. And again, we could spend an hour talking about all this stuff. And after I get all that, I'll think about the plan and I'll really try to ease them into a couple of main factors. One is addressing the sugar content in the diet, right? One thing I like to tackle first is the sweet drinks. I always jump on that first. Um, that seems to be one of the main culprits for people's barrier to lose weight. So if somebody's drinking, they, people don't even notice so most of the time. They're like, I have juice once in a while. I have soda once in a while. I have Gatorade once in a while. I have Snapple once in a while. I said, if you do all those things once in a while, that means you're having it every day. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot of that's <laughs> so, a lot of once in a whiles. So, you know, this is where you get into what's called SMART goal setting, which SMART is an acronym for um, sustainable, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-oriented. And the goal has to meet all the criteria. So we'll set a specific goal that says, let's limit the sweet drinks that you drink to only like four to eight ounces per day, every day. And I prefer that you had it with dinner. And they're like, okay, you know, currently they're having it with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So they're just going to have it once a day at dinner. Okay. Uh, just to interrupt very quickly, why do you recommend the sugary drinks at dinner? Well, that goes into more of like some deeper science of the fasting. And I will try to ease them into a little bit of a morning fast. I've, I've seen that to be pretty successful. So if we can ease off of sugar and carbohydrate heavy mornings, I do see more success. So um, okay. I do a lot, like to allow a little bit more freedom at dinner, just as you're doing, which is why I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. And you, you, you always talk about how it feels good to be able to eat normally and have a big meal and have something good and you still lose weight. And that's what I, I right. try to do with my patients, actually. Oh, that's right. That's interesting. It's good to hear. But it's um, sugar is a huge topic for many reasons. I, I don't know um, because I, I know you're a fan of comedians. I don't know if Dean Del Rey um, is a name that's familiar to you. Um, he's a, a comedian who um, actually lost a lot of weight by just cutting out sugar, um, which is was amazing to see how quickly and how much weight he lost. Um, but 
And I know this might not be of your expertise, but something that I've noticed and is frustrating as a person trying to lose weight is all of the like kind of lying that's get done to us. Like, oh, they say it's uh, like, like for example, I, I said this on an earlier podcast, like the Nature Valley bars or trail mix. It's supposed to be yeah. healthy. Like, as me, as someone who used to eat candy every day, you look at something and you're like, it's nature or it's trail. These are nuts and, and raisins. These are healthy. And another big thing is dried fruit. The dried fruit industry, industry is evil because I thought, to be very honest with you, when I found dried cranberries, I thought I had cured obesity and because they tasted like gummy bears. Yeah. But they were cranberries. <laughs> and they just, they just dry them out. And I was like, this is the cure. I, I don't have to have canned anymore. I'll just eat dried cranberries. And I did that, and I wasn't trying to lose weight, so I, I have no idea how much I weighed. But I found out, unfortunately, that dried fruit is basically like candy. There's a reason why it tasted so good. Um, so what I guess I'm, I'm wondering, and maybe you're just, just as uh, frustrated as I am, but like, why? Why and how does the food industry get away with like McDonald's putting sugar in their French fries? Like, why are they able to trick us and mislead us so much? Yeah, I think that something's definitely off. That's where I'll leave it, um, and it's very frustrating. I think that we are working against a billion-dollar food industry who makes food pretty addictive. Uh, you don't know how many times somebody comes to me who wants to lose weight who has been trying and trying and trying and the diet that they'll report. Like I said, I go into very detailed analysis of what they're eating, drinking, snacking on how much, what time, everything, and what they're reporting. Everybody would think that it's very healthy. They're talking about whole wheat, this and a small nature Valley bar and whole grain that and, and brown rice and this health smoothie and this energy bar and this protein shake and they're gaining weight. Right. So it's my job to come in and tell them that everything you're doing is unfortunately not that great. Like it, it's, it looks good and the label looks amazing, but you're being tricked. And uh, I do that every week, many, many times a week. I'm working with patients, explaining that to them. It's very unfortunate. It's okay. So I know you, I know you're not a doctor, but you did go through all of that uh, background. I know like they, another frustrating thing that happens a lot is the information will a change like, Oh, eggs are good versus eggs are bad. But I know that there's also a lot of lobbying being done on behalf of restaurants and food brands. And they can, they actually get scientists. Like when they used to say like four out of five doctors recommend camel cigarettes, like in the industry, how, how do these people sleep at night? Basically, I'm trying to figure like how like what are your thoughts on on these actual medical professionals who are saying, oh yeah, this is part of a balanced breakfast or like 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 what like do you guys as do your colleagues look like talk about them behind their backs like what how does that even happen? We do. We're we're very frustrated and we're stunned. I mean, I've seen it ruin lives. I I have two examples actually come to mind right now. One of them is kids. So. Kids, right now, there's a major issue with kids. I, I see lots of pediatrics. And I'll go into a, a, a kid's room, and they're having trouble with high triglycerides. That's, that's fat in your blood. And they might even have show signs of prediabetes. And the kid might also be struggling with obesity. 
Um, I'll be talking with the kid. This is what's happening. They're waking up. Kids are told to have a big breakfast. So they're given a, night, a cereal that they're told is healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Cereal and juice at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Okay. They get to school at 8 a.m. The school gives them a free breakfast. The free breakfast is Pop-Tarts and bagels and juice, right? <laughs> at 10 a.m. They have lunch. And lunches, you know what school lunches are, you know, pizzas and whatever else, fried yeah, chicken. And, and tater tots, thing. yeah. Tater tots and you know, chocolate, and chocolate milk, milk, yeah, milk yeah. or juice again. Yeah. This is what is happening, right? Like I'll explain this to the parents. The parents have no idea this is even happening. Um, that it's, it's, it, it hurts me. It really does. I'm very passionate about trying to fix this. There's actually a great uh, doctor, Dr. Robert Lustig. Okay. And I think he's a medical doctor who talks a lot about sugar and his frustrations and I think he's going back. I don't know if it's him or some other doctor. He's going back to law school to actually get into to change the laws about nutrition and childhood nutrition. I'm gonna have to write that down. That's interesting. Yeah, he's so, got some great lectures. Um, it's interesting. I, I joked on, on an earlier episode with a comedian friend of mine who lost a, uh, over 100 pounds, and I it, it it's one of the funniest things. I remember. How old are you? Do you mind me asking? I'm 30. Okay, we're about the same age. I'm 32. I remember all growing up because there wasn't streaming services and there wasn't all that so we watched actual tv with commercials and i remember seeing like lucky charms and fruit loops commercials saying part of a balanced breakfast and the other half of the breakfast was white bread toasted with butter and a glass of orange juice (laughs) and it's like that's 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 just sugar on top of sugar with sugar and then some butter i've literally seen it ruin a lie I, i i was working with a patient who was drinking orange juice breakfast, lunch, and dinner because of the commercials. It's, it was literally his answer. I said, did you know that orange juice is not actually good for you? And he said, well, what do you mean? It's on all the commercials. <laughs> right. And I said, no, I want you to cut it out. He cut out the orange juice, but he kept eating kind of, you know, general, like he was eating hot dogs, hamburgers, ham and cheese sandwiches, like all day, every day. Right. All he did was cut out the orange juice. He ended up losing like 30 pounds and started to reverse his diabetes. Wow. And this is a guy who only was drinking it, not because he liked it. He didn't like the taste. He was drinking it because he thought it was healthy because of the commercials. That I'm not a big regulation guy. I'm not. I, I'm not very political, and I, I frankly lean towards to let me. If I'm not hurting anybody, let me do what I want. But it's. I think there's a difference between overregulation and like just straight up lying to people, mm-hmm. and it's. Like, that's why I tend to stay out of politics because it's upsetting to me that, like, they're there to hopefully protect and to help us. And they spend so much time on, like, like I remember a few years ago they had a, a whole big congressional thing when when people were doing uh, steroids in baseball. And they were, sp- and I'm like, who cares? Like, frankly, who cares? <laughs> But but when when all these con- Congress people get out of Congress, they become lobbyists, make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, and get donations. Like and and I don't know the full background of this, so I probably shouldn't even bring it up. But I just got back from Florida, and the rumor that I heard, and this could be completely wrong, so don't yell at me in the comments, is that the person who owns Publix, a very actually, I love that grocery store. It was awesome. Everyone was super nice, and it was great. But they donated to the governor, and they that they got um, COVID vaccines before other people. Now everyone has it, and and I know it just came on in sixty minutes, and I know they were saying that that was bad reporting. So I'm I'm not entirely sure if that example is correct. But is there a movement 
in your field to get more like common sense rules on advertising or or anything like that? It, it's yeah. So it's happening. One of the things that happened, you can actually compare how the nutrition labels looked. I think maybe what was it ten years ago to the nutrition labels now. Uh, they're actually completely different now. Calories are actually huge in bold on on oh, products. You might I notice. No, yeah, difference. I have noticed that. Yeah. yeah, but um, it's actually now they're in bold, and also I think sugar is a little bit more detailed. I think now they have to include: is there added sugar in this product, or is it true natural sugar? Oh. I think that's new as well, and uh, that that's as far as we got. But unfortunately, there's still too many loopholes. One of the most right. frustrating ones right now, actually, is the keto word is not. Um, what's the word? It's not regulated, the keto word. So we have a lot of products out there that have like 20, 30 grams of sugar in them that are, they say keto on it. And all like these popular brands are taking full advantage. I see granola bars saying it's keto ice cream, keto. How do they, what do they, how do they justify it? They don't have to, it's not regulated. (laughs) They just put like energy bar keto and it's or protein shake keto. And on the back, it's got like 10 grams of sugar. And I I see it every day when I'm in the supermarket, I'm like, all right, uh, this is frustrating. There's nothing I can do about it. These companies are huge. Right. And and that that's wild. And I think that that is honestly something I, that I, I didn't bring up yet. I forgot in, in the same vein is uh, they, they all get away with having lower calories per serving by having an ungodly amount of servings in a package. Like I remember, I remember speaking of trail mix, it was something like, over 20 servings in a very small package yeah. just so they could say it was 100 calories a serving. I used to give a presentation to high schoolers about this, and I used to bring bags of cereal and show them, like, this granola cereal, um, it has this many calories, and here's a serving. And the serving was, like, a couple bites. It was, like, three bites. <laughs> I put it in, like, a Ziploc bag for presentation. It was, like, this much cereal or something. Right. And um, who's eating that much cereal? That, that's no what one. you think the serving is? And that's how they trick you, really. Oh, and that is, they're just tricking us. So, um, what, I don't know if there's products or what are your recommendations for anyone trying to eat healthy, whether it's new or not? When you go to the store or a restaurant, what are you looking for? Protein, most of the time. I, I think there's this common strategy that I like to follow which is uh, actually varies person to person, but working on finding out what fills you up. And I've learned after working with so many patients that it's different person to person. When you find a food or a meal that fills you up, literally write it down, make a word document, write it in a journal, write it on your phone. If you find a meal that fills you up, you've just won the lottery. Um, So we need to keep an eye on those things. And most of the time it's going to be a protein combined with a fat and a fiber. So, Working towards those type of foods, you know, obviously, beef, chicken, fish, turkey, those type of things. I always push those. Okay, and that's uh, that's interesting that you said that because my go-to Monday night meal the night before my weigh-in is I have two cans of tuna with light mayo. I put salt, pepper, red pepper flakes in it, and I eat it with chips to save the bread calories. I like I like scoop it with chips, and I have a big salad. And I, I have I, my, fav- my favorite go-to dessert right now are the Outshine No Sugar Added Popsicles because they're only 25 calories. Nice. Um, and it's usually at most like 1,100 calories. And I, there's a lot of people who get mad at me and say I'm not eating enough. But to your point, I, I honestly, I could have the bread and I could up the calories, but... I know tuna and mayo is a lot of protein and I 
honestly, genuinely feel full. It's about it's almost about six o'clock right now. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't eaten for almost twenty four hours, and I'm getting hungry. Yeah. But I, if I if I was hungry, I would have still ate. So like, is am I hurting myself by not having a lot of calories, or like? I had a lot. It's a lot of food. Two cans of tuna, big salad, some chips. Like I, I feel like I'm eating enough, but I'm not sure if I'm if I'm hurting myself. It's a it's a highly debated topic. Um, between you know what my thinking is is no, I, I don't think you are, and that goes because there's a lot of factors. It's not the same for everybody, but for you and your situation, I, I don't think you're harming yourself. Why is that? Because it's only happening maybe once a week or twice a week. You know, other days you I, I saw some of your pictures. I thought they were great. You know, some days it might go up to sixteen hundred or a little bit more. Right. So if you dip down to 11 one day, there's no harm. I mean, the body, the body has a safety net, right? Your safety net is your fat that's on your body. Right. Like your, that is fat on the body is stored food. I have a lot of safety net. I have a big, you've got a, yeah, you got some stored food and your yeah. body will use it. And that's, you so see, you have some safety at the end of the day. You know, if it's, when I see, I actually have a story about the calorie thing and the not eating enough thing. You want me to tell it? I would love to. Yeah. So, if somebody's not eating enough, okay, so actually, the, let me go back a little bit. The hunger thing. When you told me that the meal fills you up, that's all I needed to hear. I got very happy when you said that. Um, being full, I, I think that's actually the number one most important thing for weight loss. Being full, being satisfied. If you're not, I don't think anything's going to work. You need to find foods you like. You need to find something enjoyable. Uh, everything else falls short. Most important thing is, is addressing hunger. I met a patient once, and um, she had already been working on a diet plan on her own. And I was meeting her for the first time. And she told me she was, she's already lost quite a lot of weight, you know, 50, 60 pounds. And she's doing a very low calorie diet and she's eating many times a day. She's eating like six to eight times a day. And I was like, wow, what's that look like? And uh, she told me she's having like, you know, an egg, this much egg white for breakfast. And then she's snacking on a couple of almonds. And then she's snacking on a couple of blueberries. And then she's having, you know, a fourth of a sandwich. And I said, how are you feeling? She's like, I'm very hungry all day. Yeah, I said that. That's that worries me. You know, I, I, that doesn't sound good for the metabolism, right? The body's always demanding food, and she's like, "Yeah, but I lost fifty pounds, sixty pounds already." So it's working, right? That word "working," she thinks it's working. And I said, I, "I advise against this. I really want you to be full, even if we have to add some fat or some more protein or even reduce the amount of meals you're eating." She disagreed. I said, "I'd love to follow you. I, I'd love to see you maybe once a month and just check in." I checked in with her every month, and uh, she kept losing weight. And every time she told me, she said it's miserable. She hated it. She was hungry. And I said, let's let's stop this. Let's. I want you to eat protein. I want you to really uh, hit the brakes on this. You know, let's add some avocado. You know, add some more tuna and some more eggs. And she didn't really want to. She didn't want to out the calories. Maybe showing signs of a little bit of an eating disorder. But um, she was, I think, a starting point of maybe 350 pounds or something like that. So she was working her way down. I think over a year she she lasted this, and she ended up losing about 100 pounds. Wow. She got down to quite a lot of weight. And then life got in the way and she had some stress factors happen. And now she's gaining weight rapidly, uncontrollably. And we're left with a person who is very hungry, you know, all day, every day. And it can't be stopped. And, you know, I was trying to do some research on why this occurred. And there's some research about leptin, which is your hunger hormone. And I think it really could have been damaged. And And I'm still researching leptin resistance. But something is definitely off with the, the satisfaction hormone in the body, the hunger hormone in the body. It, it, something's off because uh, we cannot get her to be full. And now the weight is just, it's, it keeps on coming back. Yeah. It's scary. It is scary. And it's something that I've dealt with. 
I was never as uh, restrictive as it sounds like she was, but I, the other diets that I've tried and the reason why I'm enjoying this one now, like I've lost, I lost 70 pounds once in 27 days doing a juice fast, <laughs> but I ate, I gained like five pounds after my first meal. Yeah. And when, be, when it's not sustainable, whether, whatever it's doing, whatever people are doing, at least for me, when it wasn't something that I could see myself doing forever, you get sick of it, whether it's a plateau that you hit or um, you just eventually get sick of blueberries and egg whites and it, and you go the opposite way and it's very hard, at least it was for me to, even though I could see myself gaining weight and I could see my clothes not fitting and I wasn't feeling as good and I knew I didn't like the way I looked and I, I, I knew that I was doing the wrong thing Maybe I'd be good for a meal or two, but then 11.30 would hit, and it was like I had a magnet in my in my stomach, and McDonald's was the other side of the magnet. It was just Im- almost impossible for me to avoid, and it just I'm, I, it may, I feel bad because it's... I understand where she's coming from mm-hmm. to a point where she was very big and for whatever reason wanted to to lose weight and because it becomes so much of your identity when you're big that all you want to do is see that number go down yep and i don't i i i think you're you're right and i would love to know your thoughts on on how to avoid going from maybe an eating disorder of eating too much to you just go too far the other way and it turns into another kind of eating disorder. But I I hope people who are listening and watching this, and I need to also do it, is be able to take advice from someone who can see a little bit wider than you can and not be so focused on the actual number, even though the number is so much a part of your identity and you're just like if I could just get under 200 pounds my life will be amazing but if if like, like I was just imagining like a rubber band and if it snaps and and it breaks and then you just you lose all the momentum that you had it doesn't matter if you lost 100 pounds in four months if you gain it all back plus 20 pounds it's like yeah. it, it's a terrible thing that happened so what how how often do you see that? How often do you see people going and sort of creating an eating disorder uh, in some ways when they start dieting and losing weight? Yeah. So I, I must've seen maybe over you know, a thousand or more patients by now. And wow. I've probably only seen it twice because most people take my advice and I really go deep. I've got an hour. So I really explain the science of what this can get ugly. You know, this I've, I've seen this fail before. I, I don't want you hungry. I don't want you starving yourself. I want you eating satisfying meals. I want you, you know, I want you eating food that you love. And most people listen, you know, only two times I've seen it, it, it not work. At one time, unfortunately, it was a doctor actually going against me. The doctor put a patient on a 1200 calorie diet. Wow. And, um, and she's like, no, I'm taking the doctor's orders. So can you help me with this? And I'm like, sure. But, you know, I'm usually not a fan of like strict calorie diets that you're miserable on. And she's like, no, no, I'm just going to do it until I lose, you know, 30 pounds. I'm like, I don't think it's going to end well. And then I remember one month seeing her and she's like, I gained 20 pounds this month. It's been fast food every day. And I'm like, 
yeah, I, I knew this was going to happen. I, I've been asking you to listen to me for quite a while here, but um, again, I'm, I'm still working with her and now she, she understands and we're, we're sol- resolving things. Oh, good. And so w- it was interesting to me. I was surprised to hear that number because I just know from my own experience that I've tried and failed so many times on diets. Is it, Obviously, I think you're very good at what you do, but are, are people who are coming to you sort of at like rock bottom or like how, how are you able to, to reach people and convince them to, because I had a lot of people train me for free or, or help try to help me and I would leave the gym and go and get fast food after. So like, you're not at home with these people. You're not cooking their meals. How are you able to, to, to get them to, to follow your plan? That's a great question. And I was not prepared to answer it. I, I wish I knew I'm doing something right. Right. Um, I, I think that in my assessments, I give a lot of uh, credibility. I talk about my success stories. You know, I've helped people lose 150 pounds. I've helped people wow. reverse their diabetes. I've helped people get off all their, their medications. I've made sure people have kept off the weight for four years. You know, I, I've seen it all happen. I've seen people lose 20 pounds a month, month after month, you know, on, on fasting strategies. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of things. So, so when people hear that, I think they, they listen, you know, they, they, they start to, their eyes light up a little bit. And I That's think wonderful. when we make the goals and the goals are not horrible, right? I'm not asking these people to write down, you know, everything they eat all day, every day. I'm not asking them to measure food or weigh food. I'm not asking them to count their calories. I actually never do that with people. Um, I just, and I let them know that you can't fail with me. This isn't some strict program. If it's a rough month, that's fine. Let's talk about it. What was rough, right? Why didn't it work? What got in the way? And I'm going to help you, right? You, you can't fail with me. And, um, you know, it, it's very commonly the, the conversation is people are like, it was a very stressful month. You know, this happened. And I'm like, well, let, let's go forward. You know, I'm here for you. And unfortunately that's not the case with most people. Most people, they feel like a failure. I think the diet world, they feel kicked out. I don't know exactly how many diets work, but yeah, but the rock bottom question was a good one. A lot of people come to me and they tell me they've done the juice fast. They've done the, the system, They've done the Weight Watchers. They've done it all. And they're like, okay, you need to help me now. It's like, it's a huge challenge, right? That's a lot of weight. Like you've yeah. done it all. Like you have been trying to diet for 40 years and you know, you've lost this much weight and, and gained it all back 20 times. And now you're putting the pressure on me. Right. Yeah. Challenge, challenge accepted. I better know my stuff. Oh yeah, and it seems like you do, and it's um. My my mom especially, but my parent, both of my parents were very supportive, and and helpful. And I went to the doctor, but something that I I never did was go see a dietitian, and and I I think it would have been helpful, and maybe I maybe I should because I know as a big person, the doctor's office. I was just talking about this on the episode that got released today with Shane is as a big person you tend to avoid the doctor almost because you know even if they say it nicely like you feel like you're going to like the principal's office at school like you know it's going to be an issue and they just say well like this is bad and you should really lose weight but it that's really the end of it so I think I'm understanding like is that the real like obviously you want people to come see you but is that really what dietitians offer um, 
Like so, like 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 the more of a concrete plan. And, oh and, yeah. And, the, and like the and I'm sure there could be some dietitians who aren't as uh, nice or or understanding as you are, but it seems like at least in your scenario, you're not like chastising them if they gain weight one month or exactly. or something like that. Yeah, you know, and it, it's a two part answer. The doctor, it's it kind of falls on their job, right? The doctor's job is to be the tough person. The doctor is going to say, "Hey, you, you, you know, you fall into the obesity category, right? Like you, you have some weight to lose." And oftentimes, I get patients, you know, especially pediatrics. And the, the, the mom and the, the kid will come in and say, you know, the doctor's so mean. The doctor told like my kid that he's overweight. And I was like, well, you know, the doctor's just being a doctor. That's what doctors do. But, you know, you're working with me now, so we won't use words like that. Well, you know, we won't talk about weight or numbers. We'll talk about healthy eating. So, you know, we have a like a good cop, bad cop kind of thing going. Right, right. Well, yeah, it is, I guess you're, you bring up a good point that it is their job to tell us. It like, really it, is. It, yeah. it, it, it wouldn't be nice if I went in a hundred plus pounds overweight and they're like, you're doing great. Um, so I can, I can see your point. Um, so the last thing I want to talk with you about is pretty much the reason why I'm losing weight is I am terrified of diabetes. I, yeah. uh, I'm not good with needles. Um, and I, I, I basically, I would like to know very, um, uh, not quickly but like i would like to know like a very uh dumb person's for me uh definition of what diabetes is sure yeah so 90 percent of what i do is help people with weight loss and diabetes and i teach diabetes classes as well the way i like to explain diabetes you know i'm sure it's not perfect and people are going to have their critiques but the way i like to explain it is there's basically a problem with your insulin okay right? and that's if you have diabetes so the way I explain it in the, the group classes, and these are people who don't write, they know nothing about diabetes. They don't know anything about how it works. <clears throat> they don't know what a carb is. So, you know, we're starting from basic level. So I think that's a good way to explain it. The way I like to explain it is when we have a carb or we have some sugar, our blood sugar in our body goes up, right? And that's a normal process. Everybody's does. Let's say I had a soda. I don't have diabetes. If I drink a soda, my sugar will go up. What will happen after is my body will release insulin and the insulin will help process the blood sugar to bring it back to baseline. Okay. That is a normal process. That's what you want to have happen. Now what's happening with diabetes and the diabetes scale is pretty large. Let's say somebody has very bad diabetes. They'll drink a soda. Their sugar's already high, right? They'll drink a soda. The sugar will go sky high. Their body will release insulin and nothing happens. The sugar stays high. Oh God. Okay. The body, the insulin, how I like to describe it is insulin is kind of like workers that aren't getting the job done. It's actually called insulin resistance. So the insulin is not doing its job. It's a bunch of lazy workers, right? So the body actually releases more workers to get the job done and the sugar still not going down. So this is where doctors would need to prescribe maybe insulin, right? And then the sugar is coming down. So, that, so it's making the insulin work better at, right. the, at the end of the day. So why is high blood sugar bad? So high blood sugar can just lead to so many complications. I mean, it can it can mess with your nerve endings, specifically in the feet and the fingers. It can it can mess with your uh, your kidneys. It can mess with your vision, um, your your sex drive. You know everything. It can it can ruin. I mean, it can it can ruin it with your weight. It's not so much blood sugar is the issue, but it's also the insulin is the issue. Insulin is a hormone that actually controls weight. That's why so many people who have diabetes are also overweight because insulin is 
the key role player in whether you burn fat or not. So if insulin's not working properly, then fat loss isn't occurring properly. Got it. And I, I know there is two type. There are two types of diabetes: one that you're born with, and one that uh, you can. Uh, it it happens over time, but is the second kind the kind that I'm at risk for? Um, is that genetic, or is that all based off of what I eat? I think it's both. So. Type two is probably the most common. That's everything I'm talking about here. Type one is like its own anomaly. Type one is totally different than anything we're talking about here. Type two, I would say there is a genetic component. You're, you're put more at risk. That's for sure. It could be passed down by family members, but it, it can be definitely brought on by poor diet, lack of exercise, those sort of things. And uh, unfortunately, it's very, very common. I think they say one in every three adults has prediabetes now. Oof. Um, and and that's what I would like to that you brought that up. I don't think I have I mean, I mean I also haven't been to the doctor in probably a little over a year. I'm about to go again. Uh, my birthday's in July, um, but I don't think I was pre diabetic. But I was at, like I was like pre pre diabetic. I think I was like a little high sugar, but I wasn't on any medicine or anything. What is pre diabetic? Yeah, great question. So there's a scale of diabetes and I have this great thermometer picture. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll share it to you so you can post it on the on the podcast. But um, yeah, yes, please. So what this thermometer shows is this, this level. It's kind of like your report card. It's your average blood sugar for three months. So it's, it goes from about a four up to a 12, right? So four is basically like very low blood sugar, you know, four and five, 5.5. This is where most people fall. That's like a non-diabetic level. And the A1C relates to how high your blood sugar is. So once you start creeping above, you know, 5.6, you get to 5.7, 5.8, 5.9, you know, 6.1, 6.2, 6.3. This is prediabetes right there in that like kind of green zone. It's like, hey, your blood sugar is slightly high. That's not good. We got to get you back down here. Once it goes above 6.4, this is a diagnosis of diabetes. And the scale goes on, right? To the scale what? goes to 12. I've okay. seen 13, 14, 15. Um, and this is off the charts. That's deadly when it's like 14, 15, like you need mostly hospitalization. Um, but that's like the red zone. So every, every category actually has its own meaning. So if you're in the fives, you're, you're basically good. If you're in the sixes, you're, you're probably pre-diabetes. If you're entering the sevens, doctors might want to introduce some medication. Above nine is a very important one. Above nine is uh, what most people in the medical field, can, uh, they, they consider that like uncontrolled diabetes where we really have to take extra efforts. Maybe they'll put you on two or three medications. A lot of the goal is to get you below nine. Above nine is when many of those, uh, those issues that I mentioned occur. And above 10, unfortunately, that's when they might introduce the insulin. Okay. So yeah. that I had a, a, a friend who recently got diagnosed with diabetes. And just so everyone watching, I'm not that friend. Um, but they said they didn't get the shot but they got a pill version of insulin. What is interesting? The, oh, it might. They, it was definitely a pill. It might not have been insulin, but they they got a pill. Is what's the, is there a difference, or, or or are you aware of of why that might be? Yeah, I teach about them in my diabetes class. There's dozens of medications. One of the most common ones is called metformin, and that's usually prescribed when there's any sign of a prediabetes or diabetes. Actually, it's one of the entry level medications to help start reversing things, and actually helps people lose weight too. What metformin does is exactly what we want to do. Metformin makes your insulin work better. 
So sugar goes up, your insulin gets released, your workers are working better. That's what metformin does. The medications do wild things. I mean, they got really creative with medications. Some of the medications make you pee the sugar out. That's, that's an interesting one. Some of them make your body produce more insulin on its own. You know, so they, they do a lot of different interesting things, but I would assume that he's on a metformin that's very commonly prescribed if he's at an early stage. Okay. And um, I know, and you, you just mentioned that, that type two diabetes is actually luckily something that you can get rid of. Or very, very debatable, I think. Okay. Well, I would love to hear, I would love to have you expand on that. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of gray areas there. I, I would say that it's, you know, I'll get, I'll get backlash for this, but I, I think it's reversible, you know, and I basically say that because I might take somebody who comes to me with an A1C of 10, right? This is the red zone, uncontrolled diabetes. They're taking three different diabetes medications. I'll work with them for a year. I'll get them to start walking. I'll get them to start moving more. I'll get them on maybe an intermittent fasting plan. I'll get them eating more real food, you know, eggs, chicken, tuna, vegetables, good food, good diet. They'll lose weight. Their A1C will come down to a 5.2. They'll be taken off all their medications and they'll continue their life like that for another year. Is their diabetes gone, right? Their, their insulin is working well again. Their blood sugar is in normal levels. They don't need medication. The question is, is their diabetes gone? That's the gray area, right? That's where this gets tricky is because people say, no, it will come back if they start to abuse their diet again. They still have diabetes. It's just in remission. It's a good debate. I, I, you know, I don't have an answer. I think that they should live the rest of their lives like that. They should keep exercising. They, they should try to stay off the medication. They should do all those things and keep their blood sugar normal. And can they do that the rest of their lives? Yeah, they can. Okay. And so the person, my friend, he used to have a lot of sweets and now he might have like a little bit of a dessert, but not much. But like I was looking at it like for me, I have a little bit of a dessert sometimes, but nothing, not, no ice cream and no, not a lot of can, no can, actually no candy. Um, but for someone with diabetes, are they allowed to have any sugar or should they have... I mean, I guess you should, no one should have sugar, but like, is it like a death sentence for them to have sweets every once in a while? No, not at all. I mean, will it interfere? Will they be less successful? Yeah, most likely. Okay. You know, it'll cause a bump in the road, but again, sometimes it's a nice little test, right? Like I said, if somebody has a very bad diabetes, their, their insulin is not working at all. Like their insulin is not processing blood sugar at the, when we first meet, they drink a sugar, the sugar shoots up to 500, something wild. And if we work for two years together and they have a soda then, and their sugar, you know, shoots up to 200 and then the body processes it pretty quickly, there's a big difference, right? The physiology right. of the body, something is, is different. So, right. So I, I do, I do keep around things like that for people. It depends on the person. A lot of people are like, you know, I still want one sweet a day. Like I, I have one, one guy who's very successful. He had a little dessert every night with dinner. Like he wanted like a rice crispy or a chocolate. And he, he's lost like hundred pounds every, every day. He had like a little dessert with dinner. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes me feel better. Um, so if, if anyone out there is either pre-diabetic or die or, or diabetic or has someone like me in their life who, who has it, are, is there like, and I know this is very broad, but is there a tip or a suggestion to help deal with their diabetes or, or, or their pre-diabetes? Yeah. So I would definitely suggest the obvious 
you know, promoting myself, my own career, right? See a dietitian, let them analyze everything, get be the detective and help you. But if there's any tips generally, I'd say the sugary drinks are definitely the main killer, really. They're a top concern. Sugary drinks, if you're drinking something and it's sweet, be very careful. That that should probably go. You know, people, a lot of people putting sugar in their coffee, they're putting sweet cream in their coffee and they don't think twice about it. And that's actually, I mean, 80% of one of the, the issue. Um, and I'd also introduce a, a light form of, of an intermittent fast. If you're finding yourself doing a, a big breakfast, a big lunch and a big dinner, I highly recommend people try a brunch dinner strategy, right? And make sure the meals are filling, switching to two meals instead of three big meals. Right. Yeah, that, that's actually pretty good. And you can keep snacks around if you, if you try to implement that. That's two tips that I would, I would get started with. And also walking. I've learned over the years that walking is way more powerful than I thought when I first became a dietitian. Right. The most successful patients I have are walking. I'm not doing CrossFit, not going to classes, not doing kickboxing. They're walking. That's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you mentioned it earlier, um, but you do have a an online consulting um, business or practice, I don't know, maybe business sounds bad. Um, you do help people online. So yeah. I'll put it that way. Um, how do people find you and contact you online? Sure. So my website is effectiverd.com. And what does RD stand for? Registered, Registered dietitian. dietitian. Okay. Yeah. That's, I, as soon as I asked, I was like, maybe, okay. All right. So effectiverd.com. Are you on social media as well? Or, or yeah, just- that's, that's a, my Instagram is also effectiverd. And that's, that's really all the social media I use. Okay. Well, thank you very much, um, Mr. Hill. I'll call you. You're just so smart. I'm going to call you Mr. Hildebrand. Um, <laughs> but thank you very much for re- A, reaching out and B, um, uh, coming on today. It was great to talk to you. I think you're going to continue to be successful, really. I'm, I'm very impressed with what you're doing. And well, thank uh, thanks you. so much for having me, really. Of this course. Has been, it's very, it means a lot to me. Thank you so much to Rob for coming on the podcast it was great to talk to him again. If you want, if you want to hit him up and just check out his Instagram or go to his website, you can find him at effectiverd.com, and he's on Instagram as effectiverd, and he's the best. Honestly, it was it was it was great to talk to him, and I genuinely did feel like he cared, and I wish that uh, I had met him sooner. It, it that that's just the plain and simple truth of it. I wish I'd met him sooner, and I know uh, that he cares and is a good person. So thank you very much, Rob, for coming on. Thank you for listening. Uh, I mentioned already that I think I passed that 70-pound weight loss, or I think I did. To be honest with you guys, I'm just going to be straight up. Sometimes I mess up the intros, and I have to start and start over again. I think that I, I mentioned in the intro that I passed 70 pounds. If I didn't, I did. Um, I, I'm almost positive. Um, I, I, I told you. I know I told you. But I will uh, update you on Instagram or next week where I am exactly in the weight loss um, spectrum. I, sh- I sh- um, will be over the 70-pound mark when we talk next week. Uh, I'm hoping maybe close to 73, 74 pounds. Um, probably 72 to 73, but it's a start. I have a long way to go, but thank you for being on this journey with me. Tell a friend, tell a buddy, tell a family member. Thank you so much for listening to the Wasteline Podcast, and we'll be back next week, next Tuesday, 
with a brand new episode. Bye, guys.